Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful you've joined us for another episode where week after week, I speak to amazing leaders and bring their insights and inspiration to you. And just know, I am here to help the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate challenges with confidence. And today, my fantastic guest, I can't wait to bring the conversation to you, Brian Smith, PhD, is the managing partner at IA Business Advisors, an international business advisory firm he founded in 1996. They have advised over 20,000 business owners, executives, managers, and employees across all 50 United States and in 32 countries. He is also the founder of the I in Team series and co-author with his daughter, Mary Griffin of the international best-selling book, Individual Influence. The second book, Positive Influence, Be the I in Team, will be released very shortly in early April. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. I'm really, really glad to be here. So I am so excited for this conversation and especially for the body of work that you have done and continue to do to help individuals and companies. But I would really like to just start here with your first book, why was it written? Who was it targeted to? And, and honestly, what has been the impact since that book being put out into the world? Individual influence, find the I in team, was really my daughter and I's brainchild of helping people realize who they are and what their influence is. Our company name is IA Business Advisors, but IA stands for Individual Advantages. And Our belief is that every individual is important. And to realize that importance, we also understand that they have to find a way to find themselves. They have to find that importance. They have to find that influence. So our first book was written to guide people in that journey and not us telling them what that journey is, because each of us individually has had a different journey and is going to realize our importance and our influence in our own unique individual way. So our book really pulls that out of people by sharing stories of my life and my experience and the influences I have had. It helps contextualize for people how they can apply what's happened to me to them to understand themselves and the influences on them throughout their life so they can find their influence and impact. So what you say is so strong here, but I'm conflicted with so many societal norms. There are things where sticking out can be risky for which society sometimes wants you to blend in because if you take a risk early in your career, sometimes you may be squashed down. Now, I know the U.S. culture is about individualism and doing your own thing, but there's conflict in there. So how do you resolve that conflict for the individual to pull out that individualism versus simply just blending in? Yeah, so individualism to us is so different than that stereotypical thought process. Individualism is I, 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 I. And while the I is important, and to be 
valuable to everybody we influence, you do have to first be your best self, which is part of finding the I in team. But America, the United States, in its being is also what we also feel is individualism. We are a great country made up of many individuals. When we pool ourselves together, the United States is individual itself, very powerful in that group of people, in that group of being, in that influence that we have. But that influence isn't just one. It is many that make up one. And our version of individualism is that. It is everybody should be their best self for the betterment of the larger I. And that larger I is different to each of us. It could be your family. It could be your company. It could be a friendship. And it changes moment to moment. You and I at this moment are a larger I as we share ourselves with your audience. When we leave here and I go to my office and you go in front of your clients, your new larger I in that particular moment is that group, that body of work that you're working on. That's what our goal is to teach people and to try to organize, understand, and be responsible for. So when you speak around the world, you've got clients globally, the cultures are different. For those cultures that the societal norm is it's we and honoring the collective versus standing out, how do you nurture that as well so they can realize and show up as their best selves? Yeah, I think we walk it backwards. In the first pages of our book, you'll notice the very first statement we have is I I am we. And so we reverse that in those cultures. We explain to them that, yes, you are we, and in your culture, we is very important. But the we is not important without you, and you being your best self contributes to that we. And when we reverse engineer or reverse explain that in cultures that focus solely on the collective, we help define how important the individual is within that larger individual or collective. And it resonates and it empowers. And you can still have a collective by still celebrating the I, the little I, the individual in each collective. So I love this body of work. And we're going to dig into your second book shortly. But let's just take it back a little bit. While you are a business advisor, and there are many, and I know you are an individual and unique, what was it about your journey through your work that you arrived at? Mm. This is going to be the stake that I'm going to put on the ground around which I'm going to help others. Back in my early career, I was an accountant, and I'm still an accountant, by the way. Once an accountant, always an accountant. (laughs) But I really didn't like just doing the accounting work. So I ended up in the early 90s doing ERP systems, computerized accounting systems to be specific. And this was when computerized accounting systems were brand new. Computers were the size of small desks, and there were no laptops, really. But technology was being thrown on desktops and was being asked to start to carry this new load of human work. And I was there at the very beginning, and what I noticed was the dysfunction and the disruption that technology was bringing within organizations while also bringing solutions. So... My work started in, how do we organize this? How do we go from technology will solve all the problems, let's buy technology for technology's sake, to a people, process, and technology environment? And that is the foundation of our work and where IA came from back in 96. 
You know, it's interesting you say that because while technology is an enabler to be maybe better, faster, cheaper, if you don't build it on a foundation of a great culture, it actually can make things worse if the foundation is there. It was interesting. I tell a story about a client I had uh, actually in Singapore for which I'm getting them ready to be certified on their business systems and management practices. And when I ask them, okay, what are your processes for cascading and communicating customer requirements and making sure it gets all through the rank and file? I'm looking for a procedure. I'm looking for a process. And the owner of the company says, well, I just talk to people. We talk every single day so that everybody's completely informed. And so sometimes where we add complexity with technology, it's better to make sure at the core you have a good foundation of individuals interacting respectfully, et cetera, and then you layer on the technology to enhance what they're already doing well. Yes, it's so true. What I'd love to know a little bit, though, is writing your second book. Writing your second book, you shared with me, has been part of a series. Tell me a little bit more about the entire strategy, starting with individual influence and now positive influence. I want you to tell us more about the whole series that you see, but also now why bring in positive influence. You can maybe see on my shirt, it says, find, be, build your influence. And our series is really geared towards people understanding, finding their influence. Then what do you do with it when you when you find it? When the light bulb goes off and you understand what that influence is, how do you be that influence? What do you do with it? How do I use it for myself, but also for the we's in our world, in our areas of influence? And so positive influence is about how to take that find, because a lot of what we find might not be positive in our minds. It might have negative connotations. It might bring back negative memories. It might have us go down some pretty scary places. So how do we take that and turn it into a positive and make it part of a more solid foundation of being positive? And then our next work, which is building, is this, how do we take what we learned about finding and being and turn it into something that we can give? How do we build positive influence? How do we basically, and the title is responsible influence, how do we become responsible for the new influence and the influences that we have? And how do we use that to the advantage of self so that I can be my best self for the benefits of everybody that we influence in our area of influence? So, Brian, I hope you can be a good sport about that. I did not share any of these questions with you. And my creative brain is going at the same time you're talking. <laughs> Let's throw it back at you a little bit. If you could reflect on your journey, what have you found to be your individual influence and potentially bringing it forward as a positive influence? Number one is, is helping people understand their value at all levels in small business it's very challenging and small business people can question their value, can question their decisions, question everything. And I think that my purpose is to help those people, all people, but those people in particular, understand that they do have value and that they do have a purpose and that that purpose is to be right where they're at in this moment and then how to take that moment and make the best of it so that they can move in the direction that they envisioned themselves moving in. And we do that very well. Secondly, 
fact behind that is that every single person that is influential in our lives is also that important. That goes to, pardon the term, the ditch diggers, the street sweepers, the cocktail servers, the cooks. Without them, we don't have the positive moments that we get to share in whatever environment we walk into. And appreciating what humans do to bring that positive influence on us. I don't care if you're sitting at a bar, if you're with your spouse or partner or friends at a movie, or if you're driving down the road down a street that takes you someplace. Humans made that possible. And every human that did that is important. You know, you're making me think back to last weekend. There's this particular restaurant, my husband and I have been trying to get into every time we try to get a reservation. We simply can't get in. And it was before going to the theater. And my husband says, let's just chance it and walk in. I was like, no, no, no. It never, ever works. I'm risk averse. He says, heck, let's just try it. And he walks in and he talks a bit with the concierge. And they found a way to have us seated. And I will tell you, it's been one of the best meals I've had in a long time because while we were there, They took the time, they served us, they explained the menu. We are hopefully going to go back, maybe walk in for another experience, but they really set the tone for the rest of the evening. So I sincerely appreciate, again, every individual that comes across our path. But I got two questions. I don't know what I'm going to ask first. But so when we talk about one's finding one's purpose and knowing how to bring that forward in a positive way, again, small, medium-sized business owners, it's a hard uphill battle. (laughs) And I'm on that as well. So I believe in what I'm doing and I've got people saying, Deb, keep going. But sometimes we don't arrive at a place as fast as we would like. How do you help people realize to keep that individuality and continue to be positive and keep moving forward? So our biggest chapter in book one is slow down. And no, I can't do that. (laughs) Part of the self-evaluation process is understanding what we call smart And if you're familiar with SMART goals, we apply that to SMART tactics or SMART action, and it is part of our SMART management program. And through that, we challenge individuals to be specific, be measurable, think about attainability, think about realistic, and think about timeliness, and ask themselves, what part of where I'm at is not measuring up in the SMART equation? What part is missing? And then add focus to that area. If you're having problems attaining your goals, why? Ask yourself these questions. And when we start to do that, we slow down inherently and we learn and we learn what our barriers are. And sometimes, unfortunately, the barriers are, for you and I especially, there are so many other people like us today doing what we do. And we often feel like we're just lost in the noise or the clutter, the influence of the internet and technology and TikTok and LinkedIn and Facebook and all of that. And there's so much coming at us. Embrace your area of influence and understand that every time you add to it, every single human that you add to your area of influence is your potential. You are, we are exactly where we're supposed to be in this moment. And there's a reason for it. And when we accept that, The next day comes a little easier and the next day comes a little easier. And all of a sudden, you'll notice one day that you've reached not a plateau, but a stepping point that's going to take you to the next one and the next one. What I so enjoy about these conversations is you're 
helping me to reflect on my experience as well. So I have a client right now for which we're doing wonderful work, but then we hit a juncture for which we realize we don't have the capability. So I am going through my Rolodex, my list of people I know, based on this amazing platform, the we of being on the podcast. And I was instantaneously able to go through it and say, ah, I've got two people I am going to talk to to see if I can find somebody that's in service to my current client. So while I've been hitting my head against the wall, seeking, you know, could I have more work? Could I have more influence? The fact remains to your point, I'm exactly where I need to be right now. I have been building up that universe of people that I can trust to be able to do the work that I'm meant to do, the drop-in CEO work. So I sincerely appreciate that validation. Very helpful insight for me. But what I'd love to know a little bit is the impact of your work. You've been speaking around the world. You've been a business advisor. People have consumed your first book. Is there an example? you personally or somebody you've worked with who has gone through the insights you have about finding their individuality and bringing it forward? And what was the impact of that? Well, I'll start with my daughter. If you read the forward to book one, it is from her. And she speaks about how lost she was and how reading the work that I brought to her and said, this is what I want to do, Mary. I want to take this body of work that I have been working on for a very long time, I want to bring it to the world. And when she read it the first time, it took the shroud off. It it helped her find what her purpose was and it changed her life. And she writes about that in the very forward of our book. And it's so impactful because it's exactly what we wanted Find to do. And this happened before we wrote Find. This happened when I just dropped literally hundreds of journals on her and said, Mary, I've been journaling for 20 some odd years. I want to turn it into a book. And she started reading stories and reading my journal. And when she read that, that's what happened. We have story after story. If you go and just read the hundreds of reviews we've had about people who have been influenced positively, just finding themselves, the light bulb going off in in Every light bulb is different, Deb. Everybody's area of influence is different. The light bulb is a different color and a different shade and in a different place. It casts different shadows. But when we learn about how it's doing it to so many different people, that really is what motivates me. And those are the best examples I can give. What I want our listeners to do right now is just reflect on what Brian has just said, because we often move through our life doing, 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 maybe a little strategy in there, yet we don't often reflect back and say, who have we positively impact? We do need to write down those moments, put on sticky notes on our walls, make an I love me mall. I actually have a wall over here on a cork board where every single email of thank you, Deb, I couldn't have done it without you. It's not to be vain, but they are gentle reminders to you that you are moving through this world and positively impacting people more than you probably realize. So take a moment, reflect, write it down, and you may find, like Brian, you've got 20 years of journaling to say, wow, we have impacted so many people. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. 
I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now, back to the conversation. Now, I'm curious about you. Your journey with this company here, because there's a lot of people that set a trajectory, I'm going to do this. Same thing with my business as well. But your company, has it continued to do the same work or over time, has it evolved? And how has it evolved? Has it been a response to finding your ideal client, your niche, or were your clients dictating where you took it? Because I want to also learn from you a little bit. You have an idea, you got a strategy, but sometimes you have to respond to what you hear, see, and the twists and turns. I'm curious about your experience. So IA started, as I shared with you, the name of our company is actually Individual Advantages. And it started in 1996 as what I call a think tank. I registered an LLC for the sole purpose of having a legal entity that would allow me to collect data about the influence of technology on humans in our body of work. And all I did was journal that. We just journaled every project we did and what those projects were, the interactions we had with technology and humans and process. We did it company to company, and we started that in 96. And at the time, IA was a company, but it wasn't really a company that was offered to people. It was just me collecting data and writing journals, and it afforded me the opportunity that when I flew to observe maybe a project somewhere, I got to write the whole thing off. And I got to journal and have a tax write-off. I wasn't getting paid. I was just developing data. As I got into that, I began to learn about human interaction. And it's what my strategy was. I'm going to go to school and get a doctorate in organizational psychology. I already had degrees in accounting and information systems. And the strategy was I'm going to do that because I want to work with people. And I want to work with people based on the influence of change, what I now call improvement in their organizations. It evolved from there, from ERP change to merger and acquisition change, to growth change, to hiring change, to leadership change, to the bridge from strategy to tactics. And from 2003 to 2010, we refined that And what that meant, that's where the smart management system was developed and how we took people from smart goals to smart tactics. And we began to apply that over and over and over again. And as we got more success and more data, we expanded our influence a little bit more. We tested it in different fields of work. We went from manufacturing, distribution, and restaurants to technology and professional services. And we just started to move ourselves out layer by layer. Then we hit critical mass. We were helped with the economy and the crash in the economy and what that did to utilization and the effects it had on the utilization of our consultants. And we just kept pushing, pushing the barrier of thought, pushing the barrier of what smart meant and how to apply smart 
And we just never stopped. I am not risk averse. I'll jump in and then turn around and go, oh, I need a paddle and ask for a paddle. If I don't get a paddle, I'll just start dog paddling. And eventually I'll learn how to swim. And I might have to learn how to swim different strokes, but I learn as I go. That served me well. Other people, it doesn't, but there's still a way for those people also. I find it so interesting that you say like you had your core competency in the technology area and you had to continue to practice that craft. But, you know, as I think back, I'm trying to also provide value to our listeners here is think back to all the different assignments, projects, positions that you have had, the companies you serve, and look back and just look at what was the common theme for which you found success and you were able to help them. I think it goes back probably to some of your work is what is those individualism things that you have, your superpowers for which they were tried and true. And as you apply them and evolve them, they continue to work. It's helpful to me as well, because I find everything that I do, it's interesting. You know, I have a manufacturing background, a little bit of product development, engineering, quality, operational excellence, make things better, faster, cheaper. But I find (laughs) my ability to listen and actually hear what the problems are versus what I'm being told. That ability to get clarity, my ability to speak, my voice, and provide it back in a concise manner builds trust with every person. I get that bobblehead effect of when people say, yes, Deb, you get me, or wow, I didn't realize that. There's a common theme there. And so I think everybody out there should listen and think, what have I always done well? that I can continue to string together and have that purpose and influence going forward. So if I had to think, though, now about my demographics, the people that I really want to impact, if there is a C-suite leader out there that is struggling, they have to go through change, they've gone through many changes, and maybe they're struggling a little bit, what are some tips from your body of work for somebody that's been successful to maybe consider some of the, the change, the individual areas of influence? that they might want to try to be a more impactful leader? Let's start at the top. A lot of CEOs at every level really are change averse. They don't like change. That goes back to our human tendencies. Even though change is constant, we don't like change. So one of the best ways that we can teach people to deal with change is to change that perception. And instead of calling it change, call it improvement. I'm going to improve. And that one word, that one word has been so powerful. It comes from us because there's an I in team. One of the I's in team, by the way, is improvement. Teams improve through individuals. You add individuals, you get collective, you get individual. And that's where improvement comes from. Also from information. To get information is, like you just said, listen. Listen to learn. When I say and when we say listen to learn, listening is not just hearing, it's seeing, it's understanding situation awareness of what is happening in our area of influence. What is going on with our teams? What's going on with our clients? What's going on with the people who influence our clients? What's influencing that CEO, that CFO, that COO that we're trying to help? When we ask questions and listen to learn and observe everything around them, we become better and that change or improvement actually is something we can visualize, strategize, and then bring tactics to bear and get done. 
It's so helpful. And again, I, I can relate to that. I once had a client for which they were a little bit quick to maybe replace people in the organization. They weren't happy for which I dropped in and was there to assess the landscape. But when I listened and asked well-placed questions about how did you learn your role? How are you supported? Are there gaps in your knowledge? What does the daily work look like? I soon realized they didn't have a very robust training program to help them be successful. And when we changed the narrative around if that is where we had to focus, ultimately things got very calm. Things seemed to get calm because then the owner was no longer interested in moving the people, but what can we do to continue to support them to be successful? So listening to what is and isn't said is so, so important. And so I got to ask, though, also for the other demographics I sincerely care about, they're not in the C-suite yet. They're not yet at a full area of influence, but they're trying to develop skills far beyond being in technology, communication, supply chain, or what have you. What are some small steps they can take now to apply some of your work so that by the time they get to those roles, they understand the value of influence? The first one, again, is to slow down. You'll hear that, Deb, over and over again. It is the largest chapter in our book for a reason. And you just stated it in your example of how you helped your client. You slowed them down. When we slow down, we can listen. When we can listen, we become perceptive. And when we're perceptive, we learn about ourselves in our area or body of influence. When we are subordinate, to people or in the middle, and we have subordinates, but we are also subordinate. Slowing down allows for focus to come, but really focus on being specific. And when I say that is ask for specificity and be specific in all that you do. When we are specific, we bring context. When we bring context, we slow things down, but we also provide for us to have the best opportunity to be strategically consistent and tactically consistent in everything that we do. So specificity is literally the foundation of everything else that follows in SMART. You can't understand measurement, attainability, realistic, and timeliness without first being specific. So if you are in the body, in the middle of an organization, start there. Get and expect specificity at all levels, and you will see it serve you very well. I have so loved that example. I, I share that a little bit in some of my work, Powerful Words for Influence. We help celebrate and elevate technical people, but we never talk to them about messaging. And one of the things I use an example of maybe a quality person going in and saying, we need a new piece of equipment because the current one is letting defects get out the door. Okay, yeah. It may be important and completely clear to the person delivering that message, but it's not influencing others for action or conversation. I propose to them instead, we need to change out this piece of equipment to be able to detect our defects going out to the customers. Currently, we're at 3%. We need to get this under 1% because if we don't do this, it's going to negatively impact the trust and our top line growth. Might we invest X amount of money and we'll get an ROI? Be very, very, very descriptive, specific, because you need to connect with people. To your point, it's about human connection, getting them to think <laughs> versus deflect. And even if there's dissension, you've been specific, you spawned a conversation, and that onto itself is influence. It brings transparency. When we allow ourselves to be specific, we encourage those that we influence, inbound and outbound, 
to share, to ask questions, to peel the onion. So it leads to others being specific. And that's how we learn as human is through example and interaction. And it works and it works very well. Brian, I am so excited to have had this conversation with you. We knew each other, but I got to know a little bit more about you and your work. It's so important, very influential. I want people to connect with you. Is there a few last things that you want to share with our audience before we bring it to a close? You know, I always like to close these conversations with emphasizing that everybody has a purpose. Everybody is important. Everybody has influence. Your ability to learn that and to embrace it, whatever it is today, will help you get to whatever goals, whatever place you want to be tomorrow. And that slowing down and understanding your purpose in this moment is the foundation of getting to the next and the next and the next. So embrace who you are, embrace your current situation and find out how that situation can benefit you for what is to come for you. So if you do that, you will move forward. You won't move backwards. Beautifully said, Brian. Thank you so much. That ends another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. I am so grateful, Brian, to have you part of my network, and I do hope my listeners connect with you. So I just want to say thank you, and I wish you much success. Thank you, Deb. Have a great day, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.